the team workouts podcast ladies and gentlemen uh, this is where we try and go um, behind the thoughts that animate the actions of those who create the arts and today uh, it is an honor because uh, it's a special day as well and uh, uh, i've been a long term fan of uh, your work uh, dolly ma'am thank you very much the incredible dolly thakur ladies and gentlemen first of all um, i am very bad at singing so i will just say a very happy birthday to you ma'am and uh, may this day uh, stretch for years and years more <laughs> well, it's started wonderfully being able to talk to you but please tell me how do you know who i am <laughs> that's what um, i want to know i have um, i have uh, followed your career rapidly because i am a, a my profession is also that of a radio presenter which is now so crassly called a radio jockey okay <laughs> uh, there's theater as well that i've followed and everywhere that i've gone but uh, where sarta uh, in delhi itself mostly okay. and right. uh, 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 which of course uh, fortunately with the uh, with the advent of the of the internet i think uh, boundaries have blurred so thank god for that but um, uh, this is this is about your journey so where did this fascination with the arts start ma'am um look i have been on stage since i was 5 years old okay my father was in the air force and there were um, these regular i don't know whether they had yeah independence day or republic day i'm i have lived so long that i don't even know whether they had those in those days but anyway at 5 they certainly did and the air force wives used to get together and have a little uh, function and i played krishna I must tell you that first experience because I played Krishna and the curtain opened I was all painted blue and whatever and I took my first step and the sari opened up <laughs> so the the, uh, the curtain came down the ladies rushed from the wings they tidied me up and when the curtain opened again there was a huge applause and I've loved that applause <laughs> so I've been either in speaking or elocution or dramatics or whatever because of that applause and it's followed me thank god till today and yes much deserved as well uh, i must add um those were uh, those were times uh, uh, when everything was analog and everything was all heart and now uh, uh, technology seems to be increasingly taking over uh, how's that um, how's that journey been uh, you know uh, since you asked me how i started at age 9 in those days hamid sayani used to be the big voice to listen to and he used to run ovaltine amateur hour which used to be popular english songs and i never missed it i was 9 years old but come 8 o'clock we should rush to the only had radios so we rushed to the radio and we listened to that um 10 years down the line I met Melville De Mello. Now these have been my heroes, and I've always wanted to be like that. I never ever thought that I'd come to a stage where people would want to listen to me, or try to hear me, or imitate me. But that's how I started. No official training. There were no schools. There were no uh, which taught you this. Just theatre in school, and here I am. And that's the beauty of it, no, ma'am. At that point of time, I think I'm sure. Um, Uh, we were allowed the luxury of making mistakes while uh, that uh, that room sh- seems to have uh, shrunk in present well time. let me tell you about making mistakes i was speaking at i was in loretta convent lucknow and i was speaking for the mother superior who had come and those used to be big yes. occasions and i was uh, uh, to declaim on um, the 
the revolution of 1857 was not a mutiny, but a war of independence. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was all of 15 years old. And of course, I stood there. And in those days, we were all taught to stand like this. And speak. <laughs> so I stood there before, before, beside, before the whole school. And I spoke brilliantly. You learned your, your script by heart. You never spoke extempo. So I, I learned my script by heart and I repeated it. And I was very pleased with myself. And I came and sat down. <laughs> when the thing finished, Mother Superior came up and said, that was very good, Dolly, except it is not the uh, cows of fat and pigs, it is the fat of cows and pigs. <laughs> but I didn't even know that I'd made that mistake. But it didn't phase me. I yes. continued. Now, a lot of people give up when they make errors. And I'm not saying that I haven't made errors either in my life, but I continued. And uh, as you've said so eloquently in the, in, in the name of your book itself, regrets none. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but as I was saying, uh, would you agree, ma'am, that, uh, that uh, consequent generations have forgotten how to make mistakes and more importantly, when they do fall, how to get up, dust You know, I think a lot of that has to do with the kind of upbringing they've come up with. Uh, not only just parents, because my parents, like every other parent, wanted you to be... But my parents weren't the kind who pushed you to do anything. In fact, poor things, they didn't know what elocution was, they didn't know what debates were. But I was interested in it, and I hope that I taught them a great deal as a result of that. But I had an aunt who was a teacher, and she was a teacher at the Convent of Jesus and Mary in Delhi. She's 98 years old today, and she's still there. But I owe a great deal to her, because she was the one who used to make us recite uh, 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 poems at night, just before dinner, and things like that. So I suppose that's the kind of cultural background that one has had. We weren't taken, there were no plays to be taken to, there were, there were the occasional uh, Jeffrey Kendall coming, etc. But uh, there was no personal involvement in it. And I suppose just one's interest, and I would say to all listeners and all young people and everybody who wants to follow our line of uh, uh, upbringing, uh, to be confident, don't be scared to make mistakes, uh, don't be scared to apologize and carry on. That's important, isn't it? I mean, uh, I think uh, failure is what makes us human, right? <laughs> Otherwise, it'd all be so clinical, though. And you've uh, you've actually been uh, celebrating your mistakes for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. Wrote a book I've about it been well. there, I've done that, and I'm here now. <laughs> and the beauty of the book was that, uh, you know, it was just... Uh, uh, it was just such an unequivocal, uh, such a grand celebration of life. There was no, uh, you know, of course there was academic rigor. I mean, you, you can't deny that. But uh, the chronological order was always subservient to uh, the art of storytelling. And, and that's what's been fascinating to me. Here's what's beautiful is that I have a memory or I had a memory uh, where I never forgot any detail. Every name, every event, everything. So let me relate a very um, uh, interesting anecdote. Um, perhaps four or five years ago, I was invited as chief guest to the Valley School in Dune. Okay. Now, uh, I, I went, I did whatever I had. They, they were, in fact, uh, producing uh, The Lion King. And I, I, I happened to be there for that. And... At the end of that, having been to Dune, 
Now, in 1982 or 83, I had gone to the All India Military Academy to declaim at the declamation contest that they used to have. Right. And the speakers were um, uh, Hidayat Habibullah, um, um, Ambika Soni, okay. and me. Okay. And I came third. The, uh, uh, <laughs> Hidayat came okay. first, uh, Ambika came second, and I came third. Who cared whether I came third or not? But I was there and with them, and I was very thrilled to and be there. Now, and at the all India Military Academy, I mean, the, the uh, formality of the thing and all these young cadets dressed in their uniform and it was such an amazing sight. And they used to laugh when you spoke and everything. And, uh, and you met all the colonels and you met, I don't know whether there were general, there was only one general in those days, so I don't think the general came to it. But there were very few colonels and very few brigadiers either. But that was the period of the army, etc. Having done that, I was now returning, as I said, five, six years ago. So that was 1983. Right. And now I was going in 2000, whatever. And uh, so I said, since I'm going to Dune, I have to go to the All India Military Ac Academy. And uh, so I told the principal, and they said, oh, you know, you have to apply a week in advance if you want to visit it, because there's so much security and, you know, the kind of problems that have been existing all around. Sitting next to me, was a lady who was, I think, in charge of me. And she said, my husband is a brigadier. And he's at the, uh, at the military, military academy. And I'm going to uh, perhaps put this request to him. Let's see what happens. The next day, I got a phone call saying, ma'am, you ought to come to the All India Military Academy. So I went there. And I, it was, of course, all deserted. There were no cadets. There was nobody there. But I stood on the same spot where I spoke <laughs> that many decades earlier. And I took pictures. And there was Sam Manikshaw on my right. And there, oh, it was so lovely. And that is an excitement and a memory and an emotion that I can never forget. And that's the thing, no, ma'am. Uh, do you think that uh, we celebrate experiences uh, as much as we need to be celebrating them now? Well, I celebrate them. I don't know whether other... And it's, it's a personal thing. It's, it's, you know, whether other people want to do or not. Sure. Um, uh, also, um, did gender ever play a part in, in what you had to do? I mean... Uh, well, gender only played a part when I began uh, commentating. Because uh, for films division, I used to do all their commentaries for Newsweek and uh, things. And there, the men at that time used to be paid more than the women and they also got uh, more opportunities than the women did but uh, we fought for it and then we were much better than any of them <laughs> <laughs> undoubtedly undoubtedly you you've been an inspiration uh, as a voice and as a face an inspiration for uh, generation upon generation actually it's just I, I can't begin to tell you how much of an honor it is to <laughs> actually be sitting here and asking those questions that have been you know whirling around in the head for so long <laughs> uh, but uh, as you said you know debates declamation they are I don't know if you'll agree with me or not they're about nuance and uh, we seem to be losing the nuance of the debate increasingly uh, the blacks and the whites seem to be taking over rather than the greys of the colors would you agree well, uh, you yeah but then look the, the, this was generations ago right. the world has changed right. look at what has happened today 
I mean, you know, um, I'd hate to get into a political discussion over that, but things have changed. We were so confident. We were so uh, accepting of everybody. It doesn't matter what food you ate, what, uh, whether you knelt down or you stood up and prayed or you bent down or you rang bells. or None of that mattered, you know, and, uh, uh, or how you dressed or, or what language you spoke. Um, and I'm very fortunate that I belong to uh, Defence Services. And I think the Defence Services has a lot to do with it of that time. Even the Defence Services has changed today. But at that time, you, you could be living, uh, you did, your next door neighbour, but you never asked who they were or what they were. They sent food to you, you sent food to them. You know, there was no demarcation and discrimination of any kind at that time. Also, I think, uh, you know, ideas are uh, are uh, increasingly also becoming subservient to agendas. Sometimes they're also being weaponized. Uh, you think uh, you think that's a uh, uh, that's a fertile ground for uh, for arts to flourish, or is that a threat? No, I think it's a, a good thing for art to flourish. Uh, can you repeat that yeah, thing I, again? I'm saying yeah. that ideas are becoming more and more of an agenda for a lot of people. Some ideas are also being weaponized uh, in a sense to serve a, a certain narrative. Uh, well, do you think that's a good I'm sorry, but that has all happened in the recent years. We didn't have that. I mean, being in the theater or in debates or anything, you talked about every issue that that's existed. Right. Uh, you um, celebrated every issue that existed. Uh, and and it's only recently that if you speak out, you're suddenly either imprisoned or stoned, or people come and beat you, or you know that kind. Of, it never happened before, uh, and it's a sad, sad reflection on what the young people are facing today because their minds are getting limited. They are not as open as we were, um, and sadly, COVID has made it even worse. Uh, but I mean, we had such a happy upbringing. And yes, we were passionate about the independence at the time and fighting for that and revered everybody who stood for that. But at the same time, remember, we were brought up from the British system. All our education system was British. But it was a fairly equitable kind of system. The British didn't tell you either that you become a Christian and therefore only you can do this. You had none of those uh, uh, demands on sure. your... And your parents didn't tell you what to do or what not to do. You, sure. know? Um, you respected everyone and that's the kind of world I want. But have you personally experienced any shrinkage of, uh, of the creative space that you occupy? Do you know, uh, not well, shrinkage certainly, but became aware of it in Delhi. Delhi was far more uh, limited in marrying a Brahmshatri, marrying a Kshatriya, marrying a Christian or a Hindu or a, uh, you know, um, which only came to me when I was 18 years old. Before that, we had no awareness of that kind of thing. But suddenly when you became of marriageable age, you began to feel what the parents were saying, not grandparents, I didn't interact with too many grandparents, but you know, that, that's when you became aware of these kind of limitations and narrow-mindedness of the human mind. 
Sure, sure. That, that that's a that's a very very strong point actually. Uh, coming to the process of preparation, I mean, uh, facing an audience can be quite daunting. But uh, ever since that applause at the age of five, uh, you seem to have taken to it like fish to water. Uh, but was there ever a process of preparation that uh, that? Uh, you no, I do a lot of preparation. Right. There is, it's not that you just walk on. And in fact, you notice that today, that people do not prepare. I mean, even today when I'm asked to interview somebody, I do a lot of homework. And as a result of that, I will tell you, I was interviewing uh, uh, Vijay Merchant, who is the, the great the cricket. cricketer, yeah. who has a stadium named after him, a, a pavilion named after yeah. him in uh, Mumbai. And, uh, I, and why? Like every Indian, cricket is a passion and a game, and, but I never played it. I just knew, and in those days, our passion used to be the cricketers, and not, the, <laughs> not the game. But uh, when I was asked to interview uh, Vijay Merchant, I studied everything that there was to do, and you won't believe it, that interview at JNU ah. is shown as an example of a, how an interview should wow. be conducted. Wow. I and I, I heard that much later when I was doing a uh, program, I think it was Parak or something with Vinod Dua, and the cameraman of Vinod Dua who uh, was working with us, he came and said, ma'am, we heard you when you interviewed Vijay Merchant. Oh, wow. And that was a good wow. 15 years later, you know. I mean, yeah. so I love those memories. I love that. And if that is the kind of impact that one has made, what more can one ask for? Could not agree more. You and know? that's the thing, though. I mean, in, in today's uh, digital age, the, the seduction of success is, uh, is so strong that we forget that there's a process to reach those uh, milestones. There's a process to reach that 30-second perfect reel. And nobody seems to be talking about that process enough, no? Um, well, a lot of people are embarrassed to share what their pitfalls could have been or their disappointments could have been or what... Uh, um, the re remarks and criticism could have been. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's just uh, uh, two words that have eloquence built into them, <laughs> uh, which is also uh, uh, which is also something that uh, that you experience when you read the book Regrets None. That's the name of the book. In case you want to uh, read it, it's it's fascinating reading because there's just there's just generation upon generation of uh, uh, of education there. So, well, so probably uh, uh, talking about the book, can I just say that I've loved the fact that a lot of people have come because they recognize the uh, similarities and familiarity with the people that I've written about, that they are still contemporary. And the other thing is that I would advise every young woman to read that. Not that I want sales promotion for <laughs> HarperCollins or for the publishers or for myself, but really I think that should give courage. It should give people an insight into that you can achieve anything if you believe in yourself. Don't be embarrassed by anything that you've done. Wow. That, I, I, I just think that's, that's the perfect way to uh, to end an interview with Dolly Thakur. Uh, never be embarrassed uh, about something you've done. Uh, the stages seem to be shrinking, though. Uh, this one last question, of course. Uh, you know, the stage seems to have shrunk into those five-inch screens and the seven-inch screens that we occupy. But anyone who wants to own that stage, whatever it be, whatever the size it be, uh, what would your advice be to them? I think believe in yourself and be honest. You know, you must feel strongly about what you do. Now look at the kind of theatre I've done. I'm afraid I'm not into comedy theatre. 
Okay, though they say that you that life changes when you believe in comedy, and I have lots of friends who are only into comedy, but I'm not a comedy actress. I've been doing vagina monologue for 20 years, <laughs> and the, um, the number of people that we've changed, not that we are doing it in huge big halls, we've traveled all over India, we've uh, even done it in Gujarat, believe it or not. You know, I mean, uh, uh, the only place that we were not allowed to at one time was Chennai. And uh, uh, we were stopped from going to Chennai on the eve of our departure. And we were going with Eve Ensler, who's the writer of the play, and with uh, Jane Fonda and Marissa Tomai. But many years down the line, a club, a woman's club in uh, Chennai, had a private show. And we flew to Chennai, we did the play, and while we charge for tickets, 100 rupees or 50 rupees, or, you know, or do it free even, those people charged almost 2,000 rupees a ticket. You know? <laughs> and, but it was houseful, and it was done at the, uh, uh, what are the, uh, the hotels in uh, Madra in Chennai. One of the big ones. Well, the, the big ones. Right. I forgot that. Forgive me, my memory's now gone, but it's, it's a very popular uh, hotel. Right. Not the Taj, but the, the parallel to the Taj over there. I see. And, uh, but we, we did it there. And it was wonderful. The people that came, the women that came, and we've had people come and touch our feet. We've had people come and cry, celebrate their uh, 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 engagements, their marriage, their anniversaries on stage with us. You know, I mean, it's done wonders for a lot of women. Absolutely. And uh, those. And I'm very proud of it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you should be. I mean, uh, the legacy uh, uh, that you are building for us to follow is, is one that we are proud to follow as well. So, uh, uh, of course, all that remains uh, to be said is thank you very much for your time. But we won't let you go before, uh, before you tell us the story of the bangles. You've told us that you've had it for 50 years, but you promised uh, to tell oh us that yeah. story. They, I sleep with them. They never come off. I bathe with them. And in most of the th uh, things that I've done subsequently, I've never had to remove the bangles. But there have been one or two plays, like when I did Death of a Salesman, I had to remove them. But let me tell you the start of these bangles. Um, people may be shocked, but who cares? My Dilip Thakur, who I'm divorced from, at the first divorce anniversary, he gave me six very thin silver bangles. And the next divorce anniversary, he gave me these two, which I've still got on. And then the third anniversary, he gave me this one. So, uh, but those six ones have gone because they broke and they right. were. Okay. But since then, I've been buying uh, the silver bangles ever since. That's and. Uh, 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 I still have those two that perhaps Dilip gave me, but here I am. That's how my uh, uh, collection of silver started. Again, a fascinating story for those that are able to accept it for what it is. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And that's important, isn't it? To learn and to understand what the stories mean. We're not going to spell it out for you because uh, uh, the, uh, the process of, uh, of discovery is just a fascinating process. And to have discovered what goes on behind that mind has been absolutely fascinating, uh, uh, Ms. Dolly Thakur. This has been an honor. Thank you very much for your Thank time. Thank you very much. I've loved being with you. And I hope that the 
audience has enjoyed this also. I hope you did. If you did, please do let us know. Teamwork Arts Podcast. Uh, just uh, search us, uh, search for us on uh, um, on social media, and you will find us. Uh, remember hashtag joy or whatever else that, that it is that you want to put. But uh, do tell us; it's important. What's going to be coming up next? Ah, for that you just have to stay tuned to Teamwork Arts Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>